You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Stocks like BHP, Rio, Glencore, in the long run are good value. They're not going to make as much money as if you go and buy some Canadian or Australian mining stocks, but I think they are good value you know, on the conservative side. Number two, I think that the uranium stocks, if everything works out, they have huge potential. Thanks for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Joining me today is Mark Faber. He is the editor, publisher of the Gloom, Boom and Doom Report. His website is gloomboomdoom.com. Mark, thanks for coming on the show today. You're a well-noted- you're a well-noted commentator, and I, you cover the commodities, the precious metals, macroeconomics. So I'd like to start off by getting your perspective on whether we're going to see a commodity super cycle. I've read articles saying that, yes, we're going to see that assuredly, and other people saying, no, the jury's still out. What are your thoughts regarding this topic? As you know, we had the bear market, long-term bear market in commodities that came to an end in 1999, 2000. And then we had a very strong, powerful bull market for oil until 2008 and for gold 2011. Then we had a correction uh, for the precious metals until December 2015. And then we took off again. And uh, since last August, August 2020, we're down quite a lot. Gold was over uh, 2,000. And we dropped to uh, around 1,700. So I think if I look at, uh, just talking about precious metals, if I look at precious metals, I think they are still in a bull market, yes. It would be unusual for precious metals to only have a bull market of, say, around 10 years 1999 to 2011. I think that bull market will continue as well as uh, for other commodities. But we don't know how high because commodity prices will depend on demand. The production side will not go up a lot and the demand will depend on industrial production and uh, industrial production will depend on the global economy. That we don't know for sure. <laughs> One thing we know for sure is that the geniuses at central banks will continue to print money. And so I would argue we don't know for sure, but it's likely that because of the money printing Prices of commodities will be relatively well supported. You know, I can't see gold tumbling by 80%. Can I see bitcoins going down by 80%? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't bet on it, but I don't think it will happen. Mark, do you think that even if we can't predict the demand side for a lot of these commodities, are there any commodities that you're looking at where you can look and say there's a supply crunch? So just for that alone, I'm bullish on it. 
Yes, I think uh, the supply is limited, you know, in some sectors of industrial commodities. Because don't forget, uh, a lot of industrial commodities have been weak until just six months ago. And so during that period of time, not much was developed in terms of new properties. And we also have a phenomenon at the present time, and this is this additional demand arising from uh, climate change investments. You understand? People think they will reduce the demand for oil by making all kinds of investments in other sources of energy. But maybe these sources of energy will use much more industrial commodities than would have been used had we just continued to essentially burn fossil fuels. So my view is here, we don't know a 100% outcome that this is a sure thing that this and that will happen. We don't know that. But I think it's quite likely that if we look at the quantity of money that has been printed over the last 20, 40, 60 years, <laughs> we can say that commodity prices are not particularly expensive. What about oil? Do you think we see $100 oil this year? Yeah, it's quite possible, quite probable. I think in order to become environmentally friendly, you will need to burn more oil. As paradoxical as this sounds, and maybe it sounds to some people stupid, but I think the climate change fanatics, they, uh, they have overlooked a few important factors in their equation. So do you not invest in any renewable energy sources? <laughs> Actually, I'm a bad example because I own some coal stocks and I own oil stocks and I own uh, bonds of oil-related assets and so forth. So, you know, for that, I'm the wrong example. What about uranium? Do you invest in uranium at all? Yes. I don't consider that to be necessarily renewable. Correct. Yes. But, uh, but I think uranium has a great uh, future, future price potential. But again, uh, you have to see very clearly. The Greens, uh, the people that are environmentally friendly, they don't like uranium. But the fact is that uranium is the environmentally most <laughs> friendly commodity. You understand? You should all own some uh, uranium in your portfolio, either by some ETF or by some stocks like Amico, which I own from time to time. At the moment, I have no position, but I intend to buy again. Mark, you may have already answered this question, but where do you stand on the inflation, deflation, stagflation debate? If we look at interest rates, they peaked out in 1981 at, uh, on the U.S. Treasury, on the 10 years, at over 15%. We've been in a bear market until 
uh, I mean, a bear market for interest rates, in other words, interest rates coming down. Uh, we've been in a downtrend for interest rates, that's a better expression, since then, in other words, 40 years. And it seems to me that we made a long-term low last summer at, uh, on the 10 years, I think it was around 0.55% uh, around that level. Since then, we've gone up. I think uh, we've gone up too much. I think a correction is coming. So as a trade, you may consider buying, say, the TLT is a long-term treasury ETF that could rebound here. It's dropped almost 20% from the high. So, but, but long term, I think if you ask me uh, in 20 years, Mark, uh, where do you see interest rates? I'll tell you, I'm not sure I'm going to see them in 20 years' time. <laughs> just, just in case I'm a survivor, then I'd say that the, the trend will be upwards. There's no question about this. Dore Copper Mining is a premier, near-term, high-grade copper and gold redevelopment opportunity with tremendous exploration potential only 14 kilometers from the town of Shibugamu in mine-friendly Quebec. Dore Copper is debt-free and owns a 2,700-ton-per-day mill with an 8-million-ton tailings facility ready to be used. There is already power to site and it is accessible by paved highway and rail. Dore Copper aims to produce a profitable hub-and-spoke operation of over 100,000 gold equivalent ounces per year or over 60 million pounds of copper equivalent by 2024. Because of the existing infrastructure and location, a low capex is anticipated to recommence production. Dore Copper trades under DCMC in Toronto and under DRCMF on the OTC. To learn more, go to DoreCopper.com. That's DoreCopper.com. When it comes to U.S. equities, would you call this a bubble? Some sectors are in a colossal bubble. Other sectors are not in a bubble, but because uh, the most important sectors are in such a bubble, once the bubble burst and, you know, the fung and fung-related stocks, semiconductors all break down, I suppose it will knock down the rest of the market as well. You know, some sectors, you know, also game stock. Nobody can tell me that this isn't the bubble. It's a colossal bubble. Or even if someone says, well, you know, bitcoins are not in a bubble. Yes, I can believe that because the argument is that the limit, there's a limited supply and then that the money printing is endless. But the behavior of bitcoins in the sense that they've gone up so much in such a short period of time you could essentially argue that they're in some kind of a bubble. You, you understand? This is different. If you look at the price of gold and silver, gold was at, say, plus minus 300 in 1999. We're now at plus minus 1700. We had upward moves, corrections, upward moves, and so forth. So nobody can make a case that this is a bubble. There was maybe a bubble in 2011 when a lot of speculators drove up small mining stocks. But personally, if you came to me, and I don't know you, and you said, Mark, I'd like to invest for the next 10 years in something, 
should I buy bitcoins or should I buy gold or silver? I tell you, why don't you buy gold and silver and platinum? Because with these three commodities, I'm pretty sure that you will not lose a lot of money. You may not make as much money as with bitcoins and other cryptos, but I think uh, a fairly safe assumption would be that over the next 10 years, especially following the correction these commodities had, that they will be higher than they are today. You know, without knowing your financial objectives, if uh, a certain financial security is your objective, then I would go essentially for precious metals. And precious metal stocks as well? Yes. But as you know, precious metal stocks are very volatile and uh, there are times when uh, the speculators run into one stock and then it runs up along with the price of gold or silver and then there is a correction and then another stock runs up. <laughs> you understand? It's not uh, with precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, one of them for sure will do relatively well. The one or the other will outperform, but the one will underperform. But with gold shares, you have all these issues about nationalization and expropriation and cost overruns and changing regulations and so forth. It's a, a lot of things that can go wrong. But if it goes right, you know, you can make a lot of money. So I know quite a few people who invested in gold shares, in mining stocks, they become very rich. By just investing in gold and silver, they wouldn't have made that much money. So what in terms of a portfolio breakdown, what do you recommend in terms of physical precious metals and also the precious metal stocks? This is very much uh, an individual question. I personally, I prefer physical, but because I have quite a lot of physical, I also have some gold shares and I use gold shares more for trading purposes. In other words, if I see that there is an opportunity on the upside in metals, then I may buy uh, gold shares that look attractive on the charts because we see the day or two, they can move 10, 15%. I don't see gold and silver move, moving up 10, 15% in just one day. Yes. Do you do any volatility trades? Like what are your expectations for volatility this year? And are there any trades that you're employing right now? Uh, volatility will go up a lot, not just a little, a lot. But uh, equally, I don't think this is a very good environment to make money in markets. I mean, I tell everyone, if you have money and you work for your money, in other words, uh, you put some effort up to have this money, you didn't just get it from heaven or from your grandmother or uncle and so forth, then one of the objectives should be that you don't lose it. Never mind making a huge fortune out of it. You can live with a small fortune, but uh, it's better to live with a small fortune 
then to lose it all, you understand? So my uh, recommendation to an individual would be, okay, here I have my allocation to precious metals. Maybe 30% of the portfolio, maybe 50% of the portfolio, or only 20% of the total portfolio, including real estate and stocks and so on. And of that, you may say, I will speculate with 30% and 70% I will invest conservatively. Or you may say, I don't care. I'm smart and I'm young. I earn a lot of money. I can always earn a lot of money because I'm so smart. And so I will take huge risks. That makes sense. Okay, so because you're speaking to an American who's heavily exposed myself to precious metals and precious metals and resource stocks, if there'd be one place that you could point me to a potential high return investment anywhere in the world, where would it be? You know, stocks like BHP, Rio, Glencore, in the long run are good value. They're not going to make as much money as if you go and buy some Canadian or Australian mining stocks, but I think they are good value, you know, on the conservative side. Number two, I think that the uranium stocks, if everything works out, they have huge potential because they've been coming down for years and they've been bottoming out now for maybe five or 10 years. They never moved. And I think now, they just started to move. So I would say this is a sector that is uh, out of favor and where there is some opportunity. Mark, before you go, what will investors find at gloomboomdoom.com? Optimistic forecast. <laughs> With the word doom in it? <laughs> <laughs> no, they have, uh, I have a monthly website report and I have also the gloom, boom, and doom report, which is more detailed and also more expensive. So there are two choices, basically. Excellent. Well, Mark, I really appreciate your time. I know it's late where you are, so thanks for staying up to chat with me. Well, it's my pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly.
The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.